Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! The Jets season on the line for what seems like the sixth, seventh straight week, but there's desperation in Buffalo as well. The Bills actually made a meaningful change. Firing offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey this week. Uh, it's another must win, really, for both these teams. So we'll preview it. We'll talk about the changes the Jets are making that are less dramatic, what they're doing with the Bills, and uh, and get to everything else, including our picks at the end of the episode. I'm Tim McMaster, along with Zach Rosenblatt. Thanks for checking out the Can't Wait podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, please slam that thumbs up button we really appreciate that and then five star reviews we always like whether you're listening to it on apple or spotify or wherever you get your podcast and to get us deeper into the mess in buffalo that's currently going on uh we're joined on the show today to start things off with joe Piscaglia, our athletic bills reporter joe thanks for coming on yeah thanks for having me it's been uh Quite the week from a Monday night uh, game to a Tuesday morning firing of the offensive coordinator. But everything's fine here in Buffalo. Don't you worry. Zach, hey, do you feel hey, like well, you're amongst it- good company here with a fellow mess of an organization? Well, I, was about, I was about to say, welcome to my world covering the Jets for the last two years. You guys have had some winning and you know winning the division and stuff like that. Yeah, we, we, we're, we're used to this kind of chaos that you're dealing with. Um, yeah, but I, I, I will say before we get started, last year when I was in Buffalo – uh, Joe told me the right order to make at Bar Bill, which is now like my favorite wing spot in the world. And I'm I, all the beat writers are now t- we're all talking about how we're going to go there right when we get in, go right from the airport. And we're going to go again after the game on Sunday. So if you're ever in Buffalo, it's like just elite, elite stuff. If there's one thing that uh, that I can take home from from this episode is knowing that I put you in the right direction towards yeah. good wings in Buffalo rather than than taking the uh, the touristy way out. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Duff's and, and it's good, but it's not it's not Bar Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, I texted Zach on Tuesday morning and I said the Bills did a Jets thing last night mm. with, the, with the game. The whole uh, just not not pretty. Um, so they're five and five. Um, obviously, that was not the expectations for this team, but they found the scapegoat. But, I, you know, first question for you is Ken Dorsey is the scapegoat. Is that fair or is there a larger problem going on here that we're not going to see fixes to come Sunday? Well, I think uh, Ken Dorsey was really the only tab that Sean McDermott could pull um, with the season because, you know, in the offseason, Leslie Frazier left on his own accord. So Sean McDermott took over the defense. So there's not really a defensive coordinator to fire because, you know, Sean won't fire himself. Um, and in the offense, too, and, and I know a lot of people are looking at how they lost that game as to like, okay, well, the defense let them drive down the field and they had 12 men on the field for the field goal unit. Yeah, all these things are true. But this is this firing of Ken Dorsey was more of a cumulative thing throughout the entire season as opposed to just this, this one-off. Sean McDermott has been frustrated with the offense and the lack of consistency really since week five of this season. And it's just been a, a nonstop trying to figure out what the right potion is to to get these guys to actually have that dynamic and vibrant offense that they used to have. And it just hasn't been there. But this, this problem with Dorsey even goes back into the 2022 season. Like they came out in that year and they were awesome in the first six weeks or so of the year. And then tape on Dorsey and, and his tendencies got out and they started to become a little bit more disjointed, a little bit more stale, a little bit more predictable on offense. And it, the season kind of unraveled on them from that perspective. And so 
they they thought to themselves, okay, first time play caller. He went through his lumps. Let's see. Let's see what he has once we give him a uh, the best offensive line the Bills have had since Josh Allen has been here. Uh, a, an absolutely awesome rookie pass catching tight end who is by far their second best target right now. And, and, you know, some bit pieces here and there and, you know, diving into James Cook being their top runner because he was their most talented guy last year. They did all of these things. The offense envir- environment should be good. They have had no injuries to their offense outside of Dawson Knox. And even that was an improvement putting Dalton Kincaid in, but yet for some reason they still couldn't string drives together. They still couldn't um, punch the ball into the end zone. Turnovers were a huge part of the puzzle. And that is why that Ken Dorsey is ultimately out of a job. Now, a big reason for that is the overwhelming play of Josh Allen, because, you know, he has definitely taken a step back this year from what he was in previous years, specifically since week five of the year. But, you know, this is, it was also Dorsey was also Josh Allen's guy. So it was kind of a a weird dichotomy here between, okay, how do you keep the franchise quarterback happy and how do you keep things afloat in a year where they still had realistic playoff expectations combined with, Oh crap! If we miss the playoffs, things are going to get really real here. So uh, it's it's just a dysfunction is a great word for it. <laughs> it's 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 funny. Like all you make obviously great points, and and this stuff is all just relative to expectations. So because I think of, you know, I read Matt Fairburn's column, which was pretty scathing about Sean McDermott. But like, oh there's, yeah, uh, and and you you've written great stuff the last few days about all this too. But like reading the. Like some of the lines, like you know, they're they've been awful in the first half, and in, in the last like five weeks, they're fifteenth in scoring in the first half. I'm like fifteenth. That sounds amazing. What are you talking about? <laughs> We're the Jets, um, and like there's and, and it's that's why it just it's fascinating to me that like the dichotomy of these two teams who are like in kind of similar places, but also not because the Bills had these Super Bowl expectations. The Jets did too before Rodgers got hurt, um, and. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of times an offensive coordinator gets fired. To, you hope to f- give a boost to a struggling offense. The Jets are going the opposite way. They're, you know, remaining steadfast with their group, their quarterback, their offensive coordinator. You can't bench Josh Allen, so that the Bills also have that too. So that, that's why I think it's fascinating that this happened this week of all weeks too, because you have all the noise about Hackett in New York, um, and you guys made the change. And if it works and the Jets' offense still doesn't work, then that's only going to get louder. And I know that there's like complicated. It's not all Hackett, like I. I think that's important to be said, obviously. Like the offensive coordinator can only do so much with what he has. Obviously, I I, I still think he's been a little subpar. But yeah, anyway, I, I just it's fascinating to me, like the dichotomy of these two teams at at the place where they're at, where it feels like especially the Bills. Like I feel like if the Jets lose the Jets kind of do this thing where they lose games and then a couple weeks later they're still in the playoff race. And so Jets fans are hopeful. I feel, it does feel like if the Bills lose this game, it could like you know, tumble. Like, don't you feel that way? It kind of feels like it could go off the rails a little bit if they lose this one. Yes, because their their upcoming schedule is absolutely brutal. Yeah. I mean, after the Jets, they have Eagles on the road, a bye week, Chiefs on the road, oh, Cowboys geez. at home, and then Chargers on the road. Oh, so yeah, it's yeah. like just, just murderer's row right there. And that's why Sean McDermott felt, I think, the pressure to no. act to it now, now yeah. to try and get get the offense going. But, uh, you know, if, if I had one criticism of the move uh, among many um, – I think it was waiting a bit too long to do mm. it because at the Patriots loss was horrible. Like that, that is an, an all world loss based on what they are doing this year uh, up with Bill Belichick in new England. And these two teams, by the way, are the only teams the Patriots have beaten 
this season. <laughs> that's oh. a great point. That's hilarious. Oh my that's, god, that's that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. figure that. Wow, <laughs> wow, that, 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 that just blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was after it was after that game. I I I could tell Sean McDermott was not happy whatsoever with the offense, and so I I asked him very pointed questions after after that game. You know, what is your confidence level in in Ken Dorsey? And just two words: very confident. Nothing else besides that. Um, spinning that forward, you know, they it was kind of a a victim of the schedule a little bit because they had a Thursday night game right after that Patriots game, and it was against the Buccaneers. And so it, it's really tough to make a change like that from a Sunday to a Thursday game. Um, so that was part of it. Then they won that game, and the offense looked kind of better, but still kind yeah. of inconsistent. And that was like, okay, well, this might be the start of something. Then they get the extended break, which which is 10 days, which would have been the opportune time to do this. But yeah. they won, so they couldn't do it. Then they had the Bengals. And the Bengals have always played the Bills tough uh, from a defensive perspective. Yeah. And so they chalked it up to that, pro- probably. This Then it came to this past game against the Broncos where it's like, okay, if you can't put up 24 points on uh, on the Broncos to to win the game potentially, then, then what exactly are you doing here? And uh, to Sean McDermott's credit with the defense because they've just been absolutely blistered by by injuries big injuries this season they stopped the broncos on a lot of drives with short fields uh during that game and it just that the last drive was not good by any means but still they they had they had some momentum going from a defensive perspective but the offense just couldn't get out of their own way fumbles josh allen just making some awful decisions with the football again this has been a, a, a situation for him all year so um, so the fact that it happened with Dorsey wasn't necessarily a surprise. It's just kind of surprised that it took this long because I, I really feel like Josh Allen just might need something to, to shake him up a little bit because what what has ended up uh, coming through this year is that he has just kind of taken a step back from where he was in the previous season, certainly two years ago. And the only thing that you can you can point to that's changed from 2021 to 2022 and 2023 is the fact that Brian Dable wasn't here anymore. Yeah. Um, and there is, there is more to it than just that. Like, cause Brian Dable, I think um, had a, a better hold on being the sole proprietor of, of the offense. Whereas I think Sean McDermott might've had a little bit more influence with the offense under Ken Dorsey because he was a first time play caller. But then it, then it just like, I could go on for years about this. <laughs> then, then it, then it just uh, trickles into this conversation. Like, okay, well then why the heck are you putting a first time play caller uh, in 2022 in that position when you are the, the Super Bowl betting favorites heading into the year and you have these wild expectations, yeah. wouldn't you want a more practiced hand at that point? But then it trickles into another factor of like, oh, what? but you want to keep your franchise quarterback happy because he just came off an all-world year in 2021. So just a just a massively interesting set of circumstances. The Bills are trying to get their way through it, and it's just so much more nuanced than just Ken Dorsey being fired and them wanting a change. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like to your point about how they should have done it sooner, I think the reason why McDermott doesn't look good based on the timing is because it didn't seem like the problems in that game you can even necessarily put on Dorsey because you have like James Cook fumbling it, the Josh Allen interceptions, then you have the uh, 12 men on the field, obviously the field goal. Like they, these are all not technically Dorsey's fault. And so right. it looks like you're 
like if they win that game or are they still rolling with Dorsey kind of thing is is the fascinating part. Another, another part I, another part I just thought of which kind of unrelated to all this but I remember in the offseason there was a there was like a thing about how the Bills wanted to hire Davis Webb as the quarterback's coach so oh yeah I, in my head I'm like so if they had fired Dorsey would Davis Webb be the offensive coordinator right now? Well, guess, guess who was on, in town on Monday night? Davis, Davis Webb? Webb as the oh. quarterback's coach of the Broncos which was Oh right, I forgot wild. he's on their staff, right? Um, That's funny. But the it's just there's just so many aspects to this, but like so, the, the the turnovers aren't directly Dorsey's fault. But I yeah. think I think there's an overall um, there was an overall lethargic uh, component to this Bills offense over since week five, since they went to London. It just hasn't looked or sounded the same for quite some time. Josh Allen. I mean, if you go and watch highlights of him from past years and you see how he re- responds to good plays now it's like two the the touchdown the go-ahead touchdown that that he scored that he scrambled in the end zone to, to put them up 22 21 he goes over goes towards store towards the stands there's a bunch of fans waiting there for him and he just he just kind of very casually turns back around and, and goes back to his teammates that is like we're talking about josh allen used to be just high energy, all of this, all of these different things, but something has changed. I, I, I can't put my finger on it, um, but something has changed about him. And uh, the fact that he has, uh, he has not been at his peak over the last really six weeks of the season is indicative of potentially why Ken Dorsey was let go. So and week, week one was obviously yeah. a tough week for him as well. Yeah. Like, and, and I think back to last year, and it seems like this Jets defense, I mean, obviously it's a very talented Jets defense, yeah. but really has done a good job with Josh Allen. Is that the feeling on that side too? Like, has there been talk of that at all this week that that this Jets defense kind of has his number? Um, certainly from a media perspective, but uh, Sean McDermott was kind of asked about you know, the challenges of getting ready for the Jets defense. And he basically said, he's like, you know, the Jets have an awesome defense, one of the best and one of the most talented in the league, if not the most talented in the league. But this week is about us refinding ourselves more more than anything. And I found that interesting um, just because, you know, you can you can get into the weeds with game planning and everything like that. But if you, you just have concepts that are boring and predictable and stale, that a lot of teams are knowing what to game plan for, then there's only so much you could do. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm wildly interested to see how Joe Brady kinds to spin this thing for, because this is an absolutely must win game for them. They have a home game. Um, it, it is relatively winnable, even though the jets have been a tough out um, for, for the last two years, even with Zach Wilson at the helm. Yeah. Um, they beat that, but they beat them with Zach Wilson right. this year and last year, actually. Right. Yeah. But their their wiggle room is is running out here because I, I ran through their schedule and after that they've got New England who they lost to um, and then Miami to end the year so it's not as though it gets like tremendously easier over the final two games of the season so this is as must win as possible if they want to make the playoffs they have to have it if they don't we're we're going to be starting to talk about draft order here in Buffalo so but before I know you got to get going but before you go I'm just curious like how do you think this game does play I know it's hard to predict because you don't know what the offense is going to look like with Brady yeah. but like what's like in, what's your gut say in, nor- in normal times I would want to say that anytime there's a change like that that there's going to be some sort of huge response yeah. from from a unit and we saw it with the Raiders right like after they they canned McDaniel's that and now led by Pierce they're like oh yeah we're free <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah. this is great smoking cigars in the locker room exactly yeah. exactly yeah. um I just don't know. 
I, I, the, the energy thing is such a weird piece to me as to why this Bills offense maybe hasn't lived up to its full potential. And it's all going to fall back on Josh Allen. Like if Josh is going to reach back into his bag and be the guy that, that he was in previous seasons, then, then I think there is the potential for them to come out uh, guns blazing here. But I just don't know that that's, that's going to be the case. I, I am and and certainly judging by his press conference yesterday, he was kind of keeping it like similar, similarly energy level. And he took accountability saying, Hey, if we played better, uh, this, this type of decision wouldn't happen but at the same time, you know, he's, is he going to be the guy that makes better decisions with the football? Is he going to be willing to scramble as much as he did in the past because he hasn't as much this year? So there's just so many different questions surrounding him. And uh, after watching the film of this Broncos game, like Josh Allen is the reason they lost that game. If, if we're being completely honest, yeah. he made horrible throw after horrible throw, um, got away with a couple of uh, should be interceptions, by the way, and already through two, uh, had that awful fumble exchange with James Cook, that uh, the handoff exchange with James Cook that that turned the ball over. So he's just not sharp, not dynamic, not vibrant. He needs to be better. That's that's what it ultimately boils down to. And can he fix it within five days? I don't know. It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Joe Biscaglia, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. We yeah, appreciate thanks, it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Check out all Joe's great stuff that he does over at The Athletic as well to covering this this uh, Buffalo Bills team. He's been doing it for a while, and he's really locked in there on the Bills. Uh, one other thing I'm seeing that's starting to pop up, Zach, is it always comes back to the girlfriend, right? And I saw Haley Steinfeld, yeah. Haley Steinfeld is being blamed for Josh Allen's Haley, Haley Steinfeld is a saint. Don't blame her. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, uh, but I was going to say, I, I – Joe clearly had some had some thoughts he wanted to get off his chest. I was, I appreciated a good rant there, yeah, about Dorsey and all that stuff. I mean, it gave good perspective. It just, again, he's saying all this stuff, and in my head, I'm like, this is still like one of the higher scoring offenses in the NFL. Like somebody um, put in the chat, yeah, man, eighth highest scoring offense in the, in the NFL fired their guy. Imagine yeah. if, if the Jets could find out the problem. Literally, just relative to expectations. The Jets have had the worst offense in the NFL for the last decade. So, right. um, you know, you hear 16th first half scoring. You're like, man, give the Jets like 25th and they might be doing better. <laughs> like, um, it's just funny. The that's why I do like bringing the beat writers from the other team up. We, we, if you look at it, the Jets have gone against like some dysfunctional teams like in a row now. You look at Chargers, Raiders, Bills back to back to back, and Giants before that, like four teams that are highly dysfunctional in different ways. And so it's like when you cover a dysfunctional team, like hearing the perspective of what's going wrong over there, it's like, I mean, that sounds better than what I'm dealing with, but. I mean, the Giants. It are seems the, like it's temporary dysfunction with the Giants are the one situation that's worse, I think, right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the Raiders, if when they had McDaniel's, they looked worse, but then you know, and then they moved on from that. So, um, but yeah, it's a weird time in the AFC East because I feel like a few weeks ago, you would have looked at the standings like before the like after the Eagles game. If you looked at the AFC East, it looked like maybe three teams from the AFC East might make the playoffs, and now, like, there's a real chance it's only the Dolphins. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I, it's not how I expected this to go. I I was higher. I mean, they have had a, to his point. They have a lot of injuries on defense. They lost like Tre'Davious White for the year. I believe they lost a couple of other. Oh, Matt Milano, great linebacker. I think they lost one of their edge rushers. Um, Von Miller was missing and they, early. And they have the talent. They have probably more talent overall, player to player. If you look at it compared to the Jets, especially at quarterback, 
on offense. So I get, I get like, it's all relative to expectations. They're supposed to be a Super Bowl contender and they look like a team that's going to fight to make the playoffs. So the, the one thing we didn't get to with Joe was the other side of the ball. Yeah. And, you know, obviously this Jets team's a mess on offense, but this Bills defense is, it's not even the defense they saw week one. Like it's just yeah, a different, you know, they had the great cornerbacks then. Now there's injuries there. They're, they're just, really torn up. I think that's how Joe put it was torn up on, on defense. So, you know, that's really been the heart of that team too, like with McDermott running the show and it's not what it was. So it certainly makes this game interesting. Um, news and notes this week, as we kind of transition into this game, um, I think it happened right after we were. I know it's, it's the rare right? time that our pod didn't spur news. This time it happened after we usually luck, get luck out with that stuff. Come on, Joe Douglas. Yeah. So they waited for after us to finish recording to release Michael Carter. Uh, since then he has been picked up off of waivers and he's now with the Cardinals. Um, I know Becton came out and said he was down in the dumps about the move and said, we know why it happened and blah, blah, blah. Overall, um, was there like a, a negativity from this move, Zach, or was it just like it's a change? Something had to happen. Someone was gonna go. I, th- I think it's a combination of all this. I, I def- he was popular in that locker room. There's zero doubt about that. And so I think there are definitely guys who are not happy with that move. But at the same time, he was not playing well. Um, he was going to be inactive. I Salah said like part of it was to give him a chance to go play somewhere else. I don't know if that was necessarily like a reason they did it, but I do think that. Um, if you like look in the past, like harder, you know, he, he was pretty openly not happy when Bree started taking his touches last year. He was even unhappier when they traded for James Robinson, which he's admitted. Um, and I don't know how he felt when Dalvin Cook came around. So not saying I thought I'd think he would be a locker room issue, but um, he has like a history of not like, you know, expressing that he's unhappy. So and he was the guy that was yelling at uh, the running backs coach on the sideline. Um, I forget what game that was. I think that was in week two or three. Um, and so. In a way, it's like best for it's like a best for both parties type situation. I I think the the idea that I think it's fair to push back on the whole like they did this to help him out because if they really wanted to do that, they would have done that for like Carl Lawson, um, which I'll explain why they didn't. But still, it's kind of like a and and last year they didn't get rid of Mims when they could have and he wasn't really playing. So, um, but yeah, you know they they cut Carter. They're trying to spur something. I think it, it, it that is a warning shot to this roster. Like if you're going to commit bad penalties and you're not going to play well, like we're not going to play you and it's about time they're having some accountability. Cause I think it's, it took way too long to start playing Izzy. We've talked about that on here the entire year. Like I'm guessing the big reason why they weren't is they don't trust him in protection. And I, and I totally get that. Like you need somebody out, but it's not like Carter, especially was good with this offensive line. Yeah. But it's not like Carter was playing well in, in protection and the offense was so bad and lacked such like playmaking that like, Izzy is the kind of guy that can score when he touches the ball. And the only other two guys they have like that are Garrett and Brees and everybody's expecting them to get the ball when they're in the game. So um, like try and manufacture it. So Izzy is in there in the plays where he doesn't have to block. Like, I don't know how you do it. You don't have to play him 20 snaps a game, play him five to 10 snaps. Just like put a guy out there who can make a big play. Dalvin Cook looked better, but he's not someone who's going to break off explosive runs. Alan Lazard is slow at Randall Cobb doesn't play anymore. Xavier Gibson has that talent and they're only just finally now getting the ball. So it, it never made sense to me why Izzy was a healthy. Even if you're not going to play him, he should be active. Like I just maybe they didn't like him, his ability to contribute on special teams or whatever it is. But um, it's about time on that. But also, and sorry to cut you off, but like between that and you know some other moves, I think they're going to make. Like I, I uh, these are like 
as I described it to somebody, it's like putting ba- a bandaid on a bullet wound. Like it's yeah. not really like you're, you're trying, but like these aren't the problems ultimately. Right. Um, as far as the carries go, obviously this, nothing changes for Brees, but does Izzy, like, does he get two carries and Dalvin Cook gets a few more or does Izzy legitimately get a chance? Because well, da- the thing is, you mentioned question, Dalvin yeah. looked a little bit better last week. Yeah. And that he, right, he had like three like really good carries to kick things off and then didn't see the ball again. It's like, I've always, you know, offenses that get in a groove, you always hear the phrase, like, feed the hot hand, right? And yeah. I know you can't just like forget about Brees. He needs to be the guy getting the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when Cook does get off to a start like that, you know, he's a guy that's, that's frustrated. How do you abandon him after three good runs? Yeah, so I, I think, and a lot of fans have surmised this, so I'm not the first one to come up with this idea, but like I, I feel like in my head the right way to go is switch, you know, Michael, so you're replacing Izzy with Michael Carter, so then switch that role with Dalvin and make Dalvin your third down back. He's more reliable as a pass protection guy. Yeah. He can get the short yardage in theory if it's like third and three, um, which they do love to run on those plays. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you, and you have... And you have Izzy as a change of pace guy like Dalvin was before. And so you don't need to give him 10 carries, but, you know, maybe on three or five carries, he can break one off. And if he doesn't, then he has five carries for 10 yards. And you're like, okay, he didn't have a good game today. But it's kind of like the Brees thing. Like Brees, when Brees isn't getting those big runs, like the last few games, he hasn't been getting much. But like there's still the threat of him getting one of those big runs. And I think Izzy has that, not as much as Brees, but he has that to a degree. You look in the preseason, like especially at the end of it, he was really flashing some of that. He had some, he had that play where he, uh, did the spin move um, and scored a long touchdown. And I think a few of his runs, he got up to like 20 miles an hour on the, on the GPS. Like, um, so I think that's the way you go about it. You make, you put in Dalvin on not all third downs. Like I, I think abandoning Brees on third downs was one of their biggest mistakes this last game yeah. because you, he's your dump off guy. Like, and, and Zach is always dumping it off on those third and long guy when guys aren't open. So, and he's the guy that on third and long, you can dump it off and he actually yeah. gets the first. Like, like I get, you can't have Brees out there every third down. Uh, but maybe you, there's some drives where you switch it where Dalvin's in, in the early down and you bring Brees out on third or something like because you're going to have a lot of third downs. This team doesn't really get first downs on first and second down either a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, so that's that's like that's the big move they made this week. Um, there's some other minor changes I think they'll make. Ultimately, I, it's not going to what it'll add up to is guy like you look at it like. Michael Carter is playing five to 10 snaps a game. And so far that's the biggest move they made. And if you take out Uzama or, you know, some other guys we'll talk about, like that's still only like 10 to 15 snaps per those positions. So it's not like, it's not like you're making a hugely impactful swinging decision. Like the the one big change they can make, and they don't really have a replacement in house to do it would be like benching Lazard because he's been pretty brutal, but you can't really do that. He's important in the run blocking and you're paying him a lot of money. So if you're benching him for like Irv Charles, it doesn't really look very good. You mentioned Uzama and he's been a big name in the chat as we've been going. We've talked about it before this as well. Uh, You know, he was brutal on on Sunday night. Bad penalties, bad drop. Um, He's, he's not going to be a pass catcher. So is, is this the week? I mean, I think Salah this week said we got three great tight ends or something very Salah-ish, yeah. right? Like a Salah-ism. <laughs> we need a, like a word for that. But um, I don't think they have three great tight ends, Zach. Um, Uzama, well, I would definitely not put in the great cast. So how does that play out? Is it just less – is he completely removed from the field? Like 
what's what's the play count going to be for Ozama? So I saw some jokes after Kenny Oboa was announced that his practice window was activated. They're like, oh, so he meant Kenny Oboa, Jeremy Ruckert, and Tyler Conklin when he said we have three yard tight ends. Um, so my gut is that if Yaboa is activated, I think there's a real chance that Uzama is a healthy scratch this week. I don't know that that's like a long-term thing, but just like a this week thing. They'd really like Yaboa, and he hurt his, I want to say, hamstring in training camp. Um, he made the initial 53, then they put him on IR. He's a special teams contributor, which is adds some value there. He's good on special teams, and I think they need that right now because they, they're missing a lot of guys. Um, so my, my gut is if Yaboa is healthy, Uzama healthy scratch. If Yaboa is not ready to play, then Uzama is healthy and probably still plays a little bit because they do run 12 personnel a lot, and Uzama's a blocker. So I, uh, yeah, so I, I, the change is that you play Uzama less and Ruckert more, essentially, is the move they're making. And and obviously, that's what everybody's been calling for. I think Ruckert is a little banged up, which people are maybe overlooking. He had been on the injury report the last week or two. I, don't, I can't remember if he was on it yesterday. And he hasn't been as good blocking as he was to start the season, but you drafted this guy to be that guy. I think he's shown the talent to be a better pass catcher than CJ and at least as good as a blocker. So you play him more. You hope he improves with more playing time. I think Conklin, again, has been just solid every week. Um, although I I know some people in on the Hail Mary, it looked like maybe he took out Garrett <laughs> when Garrett looked like he might have come down with it. If not, that wasn't Yeah, although guys are just fighting for the ball. Yeah, exactly. Like Paulton for that. But, those posi- but it, I mean, that, can you imagine where we'd be right now if that? I was oh, thinking about in that. In the moment, the I thought I, I was convinced it was going to happen because these. Oh, yeah. that's how these Jets games go. Like, you're like, all right, well, it's over. And then all of a sudden they have the ball back and then he has the Hail Mary. I'm, it's in the air and I'm like, he's going to fucking catch it, isn't he? <laughs> as soon as Zach escaped the rush on the play, yeah. I was yeah, like, Yeah, it looked like he was going to get sacked. Yeah. I was like, they're going to win this game. And it, it was. It was really close. And I feel like it wouldn't have, it doesn't fix anything except that they'd have a better record and they could afford maybe a loss here. True. Yeah. Um, but but uh, it, in some ways, it probably hurt them because there'd be no pressure or there wouldn't be the same pressure to make changes. Not that they're making meaningful yeah. changes. But yeah. Well, and then, but anyway. Uh, and then on, on the changes, I just, I guess we can just keep going down that yeah. thread. Um, I think the other one um, that, again, is not going to like, probably move the needle as much as either the Jets think or fans would hope. But like Malik Taylor's been playing like 20 snaps a game the last few weeks. If I had a guess, I would say they replaced those with Jason Brownlee um, or maybe Irv Charles gets some, but I think Brownlee will be active this week. And, you know, is, is an undrafted rookie really going to save the day? I don't know. Malik Taylor was mostly in there for like deep shots and some run blocking. Uh, the fact that he's playing that much is kind of indicative of their wide receiver situation right now. And that Randall Cobb's being passed out for all these guys. Like I wonder at one point Randall Cobb's like, I mean, if, if Rogers is coming back, I guess Cobb wants to hang around, but I can't imagine he's very happy. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think Brown, like again, like, so as of right now to this point of the thread of what we're talking about, that means is he a Bonaconda, Jason Brownlee and uh, Jeremy Ruckert are supposed to be the saviors of this offense. And I don't think that's, um, a realistic thing. And the, the other thing would be offensive line. I, I can't see them making sweeping changes, but it mostly depends on if Dwayne Brown's ready to go. And if he is, I think he goes in at left tackle and you move Makai over. Uh, if he's not, they probably roll with the group they had last week, which I thought was like solid enough, not like amazing, but like solid. Uh, and you just keep kind of, kind of grinding it out with this group until some combo of Dwayne Brown, Wes Schweitzer or Connor McGovern is ready to come back. So um, yeah, again, like all these things I just said to you, like that's not really a solution. Like ultimately there's some personnel questions. And I think that falls on Joe Douglas, the way this roster was built. 
and the decision to not go and get anybody on offense at the trade deadline, like maybe Joe Douglas saw the writing on the wall and thought that, that this was not a playoff team. I don't know, but he didn't add anything to one of the worst offenses in the NFL and it's gotten worse since the deadline. So, um, the, so Jason Brownlee, Irv Charles, Kenny Aboa, Jeremy Ruckert, and Izzy Abanacada are your saviors. And let's see if that works out. Let's see how it goes. Uh, one other note I wanted to get to is Garrett Wilson limited practice Wednesday. We saw during the game on Sunday, he he left at one point, was shooken up on the elbow, yeah. and then he was wearing a sleeve with a pad on the elbow. This is all connected to that, I assume. It, I mean, yeah. he played with it on Sunday. I assume yeah. he'll be fine for a game this week. Is yeah, yeah. I, Although with the Jets... Yeah, you never know, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that they ex- expect him to play. Obviously, that would be a significant loss if he didn't, but or if he's bothered. I, I'm not sure if he's going to talk today or tomorrow uh, to us, but yeah, I, I don't. I'm not worried about him playing. You hope it doesn't bother him. I, I mean, I know he had a couple of plays that he liked back in that game, probably um, including the throw, which came shortly after the injury, which oh. um, people brought which up. Which makes you I, wonder why they called it. Yeah, the I, they were under the. Sala was asked about that directly on Monday, and he was under the impression they thought he was. They were told he was fine uh, to do that or whatever. But I mean, it, it was just a bad throw. Like it would have, it might maybe it wouldn't have been a touchdown because Lazard isn't very fast, but it would have been a big gain at the very least. So um, yeah, the slant play was the other one that I thought there was the one slant where. Yeah. It was two defenders, but Zach actually threaded the needle pretty well. Yeah. And it felt like if he had held on to it, the way the play was breaking down, like when you looked at the review, it almost seemed like he might be able to break away from the two defenders, and that could have been a big one. Yeah. And he, he was clearly frustrated with himself. Yeah. Uh, Brian Sturbeck pointed out. Dalton Garrett for anything at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Brian, by the way, Brian Sturbeck pointed out they have to activate Dwayne Brown by Saturday or a season is over it. It's true they have to activate him, but it's, they don't necessarily have to play him right away. They could still like activate right. him and then keep him on the sideline. So, um, but yeah, Garrett um, wasn't his best game overall, but he still makes plays. He makes every play he makes. It's like he has to do a lot of the work. It seems like there was a throw that yep. like Zach kind of like reached him in double coverage like down the field, and Garrett couldn't haul it in. It was a hard play to make. Who knows if he was bothered by the injury yet? Anybody who wants to blame Garrett for anything is out of line. I think because he <laughs> they're they're in trouble without him. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, I hope one week we can have a conversation where it's not just like all the problems on offense because it's exhausting, but it feels like that's where it's going. And we're going to find out this week if, you know, I guess we didn't really, I don't think it had come out yet when we podcasted the other day, but there was Garrett went on the radio. He does a weekly radio hit and he said that they had a players meeting. Um, and we talked about the potential. Yeah. Talk about Yeah. So it sounds like they had one. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it was like a traditional, like everybody, hashing out, being honest, you know, saying we we suck at this, this, and this. But I think some people spoke their mind. Um, they've all kind of downplayed it in the building, which maybe that was like a message that they – I don't know if the team was happy that Garrett revealed it to the public. It would have come out anyway. So it's kind of – I don't know that it matters ultimately. But, um, yeah, I, I, what I'll say is it's never a good sign if a team feels like they need to have a player's being. I know Salah's whole thing is he wants the players to lead themselves and – you know, they're the ones coaching this team or whatever. But um, historically, when a team has to do a players meeting, it's not a good thing, I would say. <laughs> Doesn't generally turn the season around. That's yeah, sure. it's 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 a cliche thing. And, you know, my previous where I used to work, uh, our old boss used to always try to push us to find when a team was struggling to find out if they're going to do a players meeting. The players often would downplay it. I think Logan Ryan once called them dumb um, when we asked him about it when I covered the Giants. Um Someone just asked if it was a full team or offense only. It was only offense, but it was like they were 
it just give you logistically. It was like they were already meeting positionally anyway. So like the defense was in another room, and the offense was all in the same room, and then they just did it so the coaches weren't in there essentially. Like so it wasn't like okay, everybody come into work on Tuesday. We need to meet and we need to hash this out. It was okay, we're already here. Let's talk about it, kind of thing. So um, so it's not like the, like I said, it's not like the traditional call meeting, all that kind of stuff. But um, you hope it you know lights spark under this team's butt. Um they need it on offense like the mistakes like the i i ranted about it the other day like i'm tired of the we shoot ourselves in the foot thing but they had some brutal penalties especially on offense like it was in the past that had been spread between offense and defense but the offense all the penalties killed them zach wilson like just stepping out right before that run like there's a lot of small things but ultimately good teams don't have that happen week after week so we're really gonna find out what they're made of this week the bills are are very highly motivated they made the change that we talked about, you know, they made the change at OC that the Jets didn't. Um, Jets defense, you can rely on generally. You can't rely on the offense. And Zach Wilson showed signs of progress. And in the past, when he's shown signs of progress, the next week has not been good. So um, they, this is a this is that's a, a terrible. <laughs> he looked good last week, so there's no way he'll look good this week. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's I mean, do we're, picks. Yeah, we can do picks now. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I, I finally put my pick in uh, for Thursday night early. That's because we're recording on Thursday. That's first, true. That's so true. We, get, we are get doing that. Yeah. All right. We start with the standings, and it is now. It was a two-way tie at the top last week. It is now a three-way tie at the top. ESS, uh, KM, Kazaz. I don't know how to say any of these names. New Image, <laughs> Megan Nets. They're all tied with seventy-six. 56.72%. So good job over there. Uh, I did this to, to help myself look better, Zach. You can sort by, uh, uh, by pick you percentage. <laughs> that pulls up. me up to 13th place because I forgot yeah, the one dropping. Uh, 52.89. You are, I was uh, seven and seven last week. You're dropping, but you're right on oh, 50%. Oh, I think my percentage went up a little bit, actually. So we'll take it. We'll take the wins. 67 and 67. There, All right, there's, some, there's some wild lines this week, by the way. Yeah. Like I, so let's like, get, let's like get very, into it. Yeah. But I just, I just want to highlight the Giants one right out of the gate because yep, they're, that's they're, one of mine. they're nine uh, and a half point underdogs to Washington. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, well, that, I mean, they were 17 point underdogs a week ago. And Dallas covered, <laughs> Dallas covered in the first half. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. That was a disaster. Well, that's why they're such underdogs. But like, you pick the Giants. I still pick Washington because I'm like, maybe they they know something because Washington's um, just they're not good. Yeah, that's why, I, I like, not, go that's why nine, nine and a half is is a crazy line for a team to have that's not like a playoff team like Washington against a, a team, team with a losing record. Yeah, yeah. to be fair, so, yeah, I can't imagine I took the Giants I, I, because I, I wonder, I'm sure there's some stat somewhere like I can't imagine historically that's happened many times where a team with a losing record is almost double digit favorites. Double digit like, favorites. I took the Giants last week. And obviously got burned, and I'm dumb enough to to do it. <laughs> so that was one of the. So I have four games circled here. One of them being the Jets. We'll finish with that one. Um, but that was one of them. Was the Giants game because that's just ridiculous. Uh, and then Cincinnati Baltimore at the top here, which is tonight's game. Um, it just seems like a fun one. That division is crazy right now. Like it is. There's potential. That's the, that's that the best. That's the best division in the league. Every team in that league in the division could be tied in two weeks, depending on how things break down. Like if Cincinnati beats Baltimore, they would both have four losses. Pittsburgh and Cleveland 
both have three losses but are playing each other this week. So one of yep. them is going to have four losses. And it, it felt like the Browns had a chance to kind of like take off because the Ravens fell back a little bit last week and then they lose to Sean Watson for the season. Watson, although yeah. he's certainly not the identity of that team. So No, so no, we'll he's not. See. But but I, I don't know if Dorian Thompson-Robinson or, or Robin, uh, Thompson-Robinson, yeah. I don't know if he's the solution. But yeah, it's uh, they're another team that actually had Josh Dobbs and let him go. So like this year. And I took the Browns. You know, right below that that Bengals Baltimore game, I actually took the fighting Michael Dunn Steelers. Actually, Um, yeah, it was tough. It's in Cleveland. I just think Steelers just feel like they've been doing it with mirrors. That'll be a good game. I don't know how they're six and three. That'll be a good game for sure. Um, Um, All right, then the other game besides the Jets, there it is at the bottom. Zach, Philadelphia at Kansas City. Mm. All kinds of drama here. Taylor's family and the Kelsey clan potentially meeting for the first time is Jason Kelsey's wife, Kylie going to make the trip. Has is she going to get along with Taylor? What about (laughs) Travis's nephews? I mean, well, also there's already two. Oh, also this is the super bowl last year, but yes, it was a super bowl. There also is controversy in Philly because Taylor uh, grew up in the Philly area. So her and her dad are grew up Eagles fans in theory. And then there was all the clips of, her dad wearing a chief's lanyard the other day. So I think there's a big question locally if Taylor's going to stick to her guns or go with her boyfriend, but yeah, that's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a really, really fun game for sure. Oh, you're talking about the actual football. Yeah. The actual game itself is going to be fun. Yes. (laughs) Um, Uh, I took the Eagles in Kansas city. I Kansas city looked a little better, but I still, I don't think they've quite. And the Eagles off coming off a bye. Yeah. Um, Actually, I'll try and pick some games that you did not pick. Um, Let's see here. Uh, there actually isn't as many other great ones. Uh, I picked Seattle minus one and a half against the Rams. It seems like the Rams are kind of falling off a bit. Yep. Uh, and the, these other lines actually kind of make sense. Dolphins minus 13 and a half against the Raiders. Like the Raiders have played better, but Dolphins coming off a bye. And um, let's see. Is there any other good ones I wanted to talk about? Not really. I guess Minnesota, Denver. Minnesota is underdogs. With the Josh Dobbs machine rolling, I went Minnesota plus two and a half. Denver's uh, won three in a row. Denver has played really well, but you know you got to believe in the the past or not, as they say. So, all right, and then oh, and I guess I should the, pick the Jets game, right? The yeah. Jets. Let's do the Jets to close things out. Yeah. So, well, the line is what it's, uh, seven, seven and a half. Yeah, uh, so by the to... way, all of this presented by BetMGM. Mm. Shout out to them. Yes, I, I Jets plus seven and a half. I think I I, I don't think that's that hard of a pick honestly because these games are usually very close uh i'm leaning towards picking the bills though i thought they were going to come out like highly motivated and stuff and then you kind of see the josh allen quotes he's all depressed and stuff and so i didn't like, sound like he thought yeah either yeah and i so i kind of like my expect my confidence that the bills are going to come out and like play really really well is a little lower but i still just don't believe in the Jets offense yet so um if i'm picking a score i'll say bills 20 jets 13 there you go so if we were naming so you get the jets with the seven and a half yeah exactly if, if we were doing name the line pick the line like back on monday i would have said buffalo by four and a half and i would have taken the bills mm. in a second and so when i went on to do actually the picks yesterday and i saw seven and a half it, yeah, like it's a little I, high yeah it kind of shook me a little bit i was like okay now what vegas is it, down it on the, the jets high. offense as well <laughs> Yeah, and I could definitely see it being a field goal game or even a touchdown game, like you just said. Um, so I'm going to take the Jets as well. Um, 
part of me feels like they just win this game. It doesn't make any sense, Zach. But, but that's if they go four the and Jets, six, yeah. it's over, right? Like, I mean, not, there's we, no cut. Yeah, it's probably because because the AFC is so like loaded this year, where every team is still in it right now. I feel like dropping that far. But then you you know what what'll happen is they'll come back and like beat the Dolphins. Everybody will be like, wait a second. And they have right. the Falcons next week. Like they're going to be six and six, and then they're going to make the Super Bowl. Like it's going to, and Aaron Rodgers is going to come back, and uh, everything's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean that's I'm skeptical. I just th- this offense until the, in, you know, you have to. It's kind of like if until the offense shows me they can play better. Like why would we assume they can? And if they can't play better, then why would they beat a team that's you know the Bills are banged up on D, but they played they've played pretty well recently. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, we haven't seen a lot of people picking in the in the chat. I'm curious how people think this Jake, game goes. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing I should ask for is get your picks in at the end of the show. J.K. Dabin says 22-17 or 22-19. Um, either of those would be – well, obviously he's got the Jets winning. So I also wanted to do a shout-out before we say goodbye um, in the chat. DLB, one Jets arm, first time watching live. Welcome. Welcome to the show, DLB. Um, always likes the podcast, especially since you replaced the other guys. Act. <laughs> Brian Sternbeck just said two to zero final. I mean, you can't rule it out. But who's winning yeah. the two to zero, Brian? You didn't Seems say that. logical. Yeah. The Jets get a lot of safeties these days, so he maybe he thinks the Jets win. All it takes is one typical punt from the MVP of this team <laughs> and, and then a sack. And Start suddenly. punting it on first down. Why not? All right, I think we've uh, we've exhausted ourselves. <laughs> Thanks everybody for tuning in, and thank you for sticking with us this season through the the frustrations of what's been going down. You know, everybody talks about hanging in there until Aaron Rodgers comes back, but like hang in there with us until Marissa Dunn comes back. Exactly, I think that's a bigger deal than Rodgers coming back. Personally, I think so. I, she, think I mean, so. She, this team I mean, can stay relevant. We've, we've missed January. we've missed her more. We've missed her more than the Jets have missed Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. I have. That's definitely <laughs> That's- as I as I press these buttons. That is a fact. <laughs> All right, we'll be back on your tra- You traveling Monday? Yeah, I'll be traveling back, but uh, maybe yeah, we'll figure it out. Depends on how the game. We'll see goes. how the game goes. That's the one thing. Is like if it's yeah. a game we have to talk about right away, we can might be able to do a mon- a morning one because my flight's not until the afternoon, so that's a possibility. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll let everybody know. But thanks for tuning in to the Can't Wait Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>